Proverbs 18, verse 1. The Bible says, Through desire, a man, having separated himself, seeketh and intermeddleth with all wisdom. Let's read it together out loud. Ready? Through desire, a man, having separated himself, seeketh and intermeddleth with all wisdom. So tonight in our study of Proverbs, as we seek to be grounded and settled in wisdom, we're going to look at the subject of separation. Separation, what the Bible says about it, in particular, uh, its importance in pursuing wisdom. Let's pray. Lord, I pray that you'd help me as I preach here, and we have a good Bible study ahead of us. I pray that you would help me to say everything just exactly how you want me to say it, and it would be clear, and I would be spirit-filled. I pray that you'd give us ears to listen, hearts to understand and apply it to our lives. Thank you again for all the workers and mountaineers. I pray that that would go well. In Jesus' name, amen. It took less than 10 seconds for Jamaican runner Usain Bolt to cover the 100-meter distance on the Olympic track and win the gold medal in London. Those few seconds cemented his status as the fastest man alive and placed him on the winner's podium once again. But even though it was only 10 seconds, that race was not really won during those 10 seconds. It was won during hours and hours and hours and hours of dieting, of exercise, of weightlifting, of, of getting up early, of staying up late in order to pursue that which would help him to win. In a way, you could say that Usain Bolt won by separating himself from that which would slow him down and pursuing that which would speed him up. I think we would all probably say that we want to be wise. We're here on a Wednesday night. We're Christians. I, I, you know, I just assume that. Assume you're Christian. You've accepted the Lord, and now you want to be wise. You want to walk in wisdom. You want to grow in wisdom. But do we want to be wise most of all? Do we want to walk with God more than we want other things? Somebody said the only place where success comes before work is in the dictionary. In other words, there's something that we've got to do in order to accomplish that which we really want, like Usain Bolt. The famous football coach Bear Bryant said, the difference between success and failure is not the will to win. Everyone has the will to win. Not everyone has the will to do what it takes to prepare to win. And every student wants a diploma. We're coming up on graduation season, both high school and college. It's a huge accomplishment whenever you graduate. And I think every incoming freshman would say, yeah, I want to graduate. Uh, but how many really want to do what it takes in order to graduate? You have to separate yourself from uh, the whatever parties, whatever's going on, or from, from hanging out and video games or whatever. And you have to separate yourself onto your studies or whatever it be. Um, and so that's the subject tonight, separation. So number one, we've got a lot of thoughts here tonight, and I hope it's a help to you. Number one, separation starts with desire, through desire. So that first part of that verse says, Through desire, a man, having separated himself, seeketh and intermeddleth with all wisdom. Seeketh means you just are looking for it. Intermeddleth, uh, it's two different uh, parts of that word, enter and meddle. Meddle is something you're not really supposed to do if it doesn't belong to you. You like meddle in the affairs of others. It means you're getting all up in there. Intermeddle means that you are getting all up into wisdom. That's a good thing. You're supposed to do that. So you're looking for wisdom. You're trying to get all up into wisdom. And we've talked about that before. Wisdom is from the Word of God. Wisdom is Jesus Christ and, uh, and other sources that support that and are based upon that. So it starts with desire. So the definition of desire. Desire is a longing. It's what you want more than anything, your delight. And it's what orders your priorities. 
if you were to write a list just between you and God, nobody was going to look at it, so you wouldn't be writing what you think you should write, but writing what is true, what is most important to me in my life. What do I most want to get out of life? And you could write that list, and it would still probably be what you think you should write, but reality is, look at your day, what do you think about, what do you talk about, what do you spend time on, that's really the list. Whatever you most want, that's going to order your priorities. I was talking to somebody recently who unbelievably uh, gave up, he's, he's been drunk every day of his life, he said, since he was a teenager, maybe 15 or 16 or something like that, and he uh, recently, just a few months ago, gave it up, uh, smoking and uh, drinking, just gave it up. And, uh, and, I, and I was genuinely interested. I was really curious because I've never uh, had that addiction and I'm no better than anybody, but I just never started. And I was, I, but I know it's very difficult to overcome from what I've been told. And I said, how did you do that? And he said, I just uh, loved my family more than I loved that stuff. Because he had seen so many family members die of preventable cancer brought on by those things. And I thought, wow, that's amazing. So basically what he's saying was he delighted in something that was more important than what he was bound by. He had a hierarchy of values that was ordered by what he delighted in. So if you're going to pursue wisdom, if you're going to separate from something that doesn't give you wisdom in order to pursue that which does give wisdom, the things that God wants you to pursue, it's going to start with a delight in uh, a a desire in that which is uh, going to bring you wisdom. Uh, To have, by the way, and I put this in here, just a little application, to have the right desires, to order your desires, you order them according to what God desires for you. I love what the psalmist wrote in Psalm 119, 133. It says, order my steps in thy word and let not any iniquity have dominion over me. We've got a lot of verses in here, much to Ed's chagrin. When he picked up the outline, he said, whoa, it's front and back. It's going to be a full night. Uh, no, I, he, I'm, I'm not kidding, but he did say, that. I'm just kidding that I'm picking on him. Um, so here's some occurrences of the word desire in Proverbs, since we're trying to stay primarily in the book of Proverbs. So Proverbs 10, 24, and it means a lot of different things, but desire means the same thing. The fear of the wicked, it shall come upon him, but the desire of the righteous shall be granted. Now, every one of these verses you could just sit in and, and, and soak in and think about the fear of the wicked, it shall come upon him. In other words, what the wicked thinks about all the time is going to bring it to pass, but the desire of the righteous shall be granted. So it comes to pass whatever you focus on. If you're anxious about something all the time, then the Bible says it's going to happen because you just can't take your eyes off of it. Uh, Proverbs 11, 23, the desire of the righteous is only good, but the expectation of the wicked is wrath. So the righteous wants only good. Proverbs 13, 2, hope deferred or, or put off like you're expecting something and it doesn't happen day after day. Hope deferred maketh the heart sick, but when the desire cometh, it's a tree of life. Now I put this verse in bold because it's just right along with our point tonight. Proverbs 13, 19. The desire accomplished is sweet to the soul, but it is abomination to fools to depart from evil. Now, when you see a verse like that, they're not two different uh, disconnected thoughts. That's uh, together. The desire accomplished is sweet to the soul, but it's abomination to fools to depart from evil. In other words, if you're going to accomplish the desire, which you really want, the fool has to depart from evil, but the fool won't. So he won't get that, which is really important to him. Proverbs 19.22, the desire of a man is his kindness. That's what you want out of somebody. And a poor man is better than a liar. Proverbs 21.25, the desire of the slothful killeth him, for his hands refuse to labor. See, what a slothful man wants most of all is to do nothing. <laughs> he just wants to relax. Um, but th- that desire killeth him, because you've you got to have food to eat. You've got to have money to buy food, for his hands refuse to labor. So that's a little bit about 
um, separation. It starts with desire. It starts with you saying, okay, what I want most of all is, is wisdom. I want to pursue wisdom. It's not just going to happen. It's not just because you wished upon a star or wrote it on the list in the letter to Santa. It's, it, it's something that you have to decide. I desire it above other things. Number two, understanding separation. So it's through desire, a man having separated himself. So I desire to separate myself, to pursue wisdom. What is separation? Separation is, is quite a doctrine in the Bible. Letter A, there's the definition of separation. Uh, some of these words that I have underlined in here is not exactly the English word separation, but it's translated from the same word into which uh, the, the word was translated separation in Proverbs 18.1. For example, in 2 Samuel 1.23, Saul and Jonathan were lovely and pleasant in their lives, and in their death they were not divided. What that is, that's David's lament for Saul and Jonathan after they had been killed, and he was praising them, sort of giving them a eulogy, and he was mourning there, and he says, in their death they were not divided which is one, it's a great character study on Jonathan, how even though his dad was not a good man, he still was the king and he was still his dad. So Jonathan stayed righteous and yet stayed loyal to his dad. It's really an interesting character study. But in their death, they were not divided. They weren't separated. They were together the whole time. Judges 4.11, another example. Now Heber the Kenite, which is of the children of Hobab, the father-in-law of Moses, had severed himself from the Kenites and pitched his tent in the plain of Zaanaim, which is by Kedesh. The only thing I want you to get out of that is that he had physically separated. So a separation is you are with somebody and now you're apart from them. Okay, so you are separated physically apart. Genesis 13, 9, another example. This is when uh, Abram was talking to Lot, his nephew, and they were going apart ways. They were traveling together. And verse 9, is not the whole land before thee, Abram said. Separate thyself, I pray thee, from me. If thou wilt take the left hand, hand, then I will go to the right. If thou depart to the right hand, then I will go to the left. A couple verses later, verse 11, Then Lot chose him all the plain of Jordan, and Lot journeyed east, and separated themselves the one from the other. So it's, it's not anything revolutionary, the definition of, of separate, but it's important to understand what it means before we go forward. So you are separating. You are apart. Okay, do you understand that? Uh, uh, so keep that in your mind. Letter B, here's some, some occurrences of separation in Proverbs. In Proverbs, Proverbs 16, 28, A froward man soweth strife, and a whisperer separateth chief friends. Now, we're going to do the tongue after our series through the book when everybody's together because uh, the tongue and money and uh, work ethic, those are some real big themes in Proverbs. And I thought since God emphasized it, we'd make sure everybody's together for that. But uh, if you have a, a whisper, in other words, you're like a gossip and you're talking about one person uh, to somebody else, it separateth chief friends. So just that, that whispering, that tongue can destroy best friendships. Proverbs 17, 9. He that covereth the transgression seeketh love, but he that repeateth the matter separateth very friends. Two really sad verses that I just read. If you repeat a matter, in other words, you say you forgave somebody something, but then you bring it up. And you bring it up again. Man, you're just going to wear away that friendship and you're going to cut that friendship asunder. Very friends is truly friends, very similar to chief friends. Proverbs 18, 18. The lot causeth contentions to cease and parteth between the mighty. What that is, um, remember uh, Jonah when he was on the boat and everybody was trying to figure out uh, whose fault is it that we're going through this storm? So they cast lots. It was something they used to do 
back in the day to figure out, and God worked through it, it seemed like, to figure out who was responsible or who they were going to pick or whatever. What that saying is, it causeth contentions to cease and parteth between the mighty. Imagine two men going at it. They're fighting. Somebody comes in and breaks them up. That's a good thing. That's a good separation. But what I, I want you to see here is, in the next verse as well, is that they're together and then they're being separated. And we are supposed to separate from some things. So again, look at Proverbs 18.1. Through desire, a man having separated himself. So we are responsible for that desire that we have and also for separating. I love verses like that. And I say it to you all the time because it, it shows that you have a measure of control, like responsibility over your own actions. What you like, what you love. Next week, I'll, I'll mention on the podcast, going back to Amnon and Jonadab, how Amnon uh, said that he loved Tamar. And if you remember that story, uh, it's in Second Samuel, I think maybe 13, but how he loved Tamar. But we see right away, it wasn't love. It wasn't love. It was actual 100% lust. Because as soon as he got what he wanted out of Tamar, he hated her more than the love wherewith he was vexed uh, for her. Uh, and, and so, you know, we can choose, we can pick uh, what, what, where we put our affections, what we really desire. And when God says, don't love that, uh, uh, be faithful, uh, separate, that means that we can obey. You see that? That's encouraging to me. That we can choose where our affections lie, especially the power of the Holy Spirit. So number three, what separation means for the Christian? What separation means for the Christian? So letter A, separation means two things in one. There are two sides to the same coin for separation for the Christian. Uh, first of all, you separate unto Christ. So w- when we say that that, that Christian right there, uh, they are born again, baptized, separated. Have you ever heard a preacher go through a list like that? They're separated. It means they're not worldly. You look at that person, you listen to that person, you see what they do, you, you hear what they talk about, you see what they love. They're separate from the world. They've separated themselves. Well, there's two sides of the same coin to good separation. One, the first one is you separate unto Christ. So that delight, that hierarchy of values that you say, I love the Lord more than I love sin. I have determined that I am going to separate unto Christ because I want to please Christ. And there's some verses we're going to look at, but I separate unto Christ. I think it's the very first verse in Romans that Paul puts it great. Paul, a servant of Jesus Christ, called to be an apostle, separated unto the gospel of God. So he separated himself in his lifestyle, in what he did, in what he loved, and what he talked about, and where he went. He separated unto the gospel of God. All that means is the gospel of God is what I delight in the most. The death, burial, resurrection of Jesus Christ. I want people to be saved. I want to please the Lord. So I am separating myself unto the gospel. I heard a message by Sam Davison, one of my favorite preachers. He's uh, retired now from his pastorate in Oklahoma City, but he still travels and preaches. You can look him up. Sam Davison, without a D, Davison. He's really, really good. Uh, But I heard him preach one time in 2006 at a conference, and um, it was about Daniel. And it's where I did, and I knew I was going to be a preacher. And uh, he preached on being separated. And it's where I wrote down a lot of things practically that I believed a man of God wouldn't do, wouldn't say, wouldn't go to. And, uh, it, and, it, and, it, and it really helps you to understand, okay, what is most important? I'm going to separate to that. Well, the same coin you separate unto Christ, the next bullet point, you're separated from the world. Because look at verse uh, 1 in chapter 18. Through desire a man having separated himself, seeketh and intermeddleth with all wisdom. So you cannot be separated unto God and still be worldly. You can't pursue worldliness 
and be separated unto God. You can't do it. You, you can't run to that end zone while also running to that end zone. It's impossible. You can't separate yourself unto wisdom and seek wisdom while also separate unto foolishness and seeking foolish, intermeddling with foolishness. You, you can't do that. It's impossible to do. So, so it's two sides of the same coin. If you're going to separate yourself properly, you, you, you can't just say, okay, I'm not going to do this worldly thing anymore. But effectively, how to do that is you're going to separate yourself to the Lord, to Christ. Does that make sense? So, so that's separation means two things in one. Uh, go to 2 Corinthians 6, please. 2 Corinthians 6 in your Bible. This is the passage right here. So the doctrine of separation. Separation. And there's, there's several, but this is a, a good one that talks about it in several verses. And, and really, if you read just the New Testament, the epistles, how we're supposed to live, how we're supposed to be, it heavily implies separation. Whenever the Bible tells us to be holy and to stop sinning, it's the doctrine of separation, separating yourself from the world and worldliness, the devil, your flesh, all that stuff. So 2 Corinthians 6, verse number 14. This would be a good place to mark in your Bible, some verses here. Uh, be ye not unequally yoked together with unbelievers. How many of you ever heard that statement before? You've, you've read that before? What does that mean? The, the, the classic application is in marriage. You don't seek to marry, which is the ultimate yoke, not a bad thing. Jesus said, take my yoke upon you, it's okay. But, but a yoke just means not that you're in bondage now, but you are going the exact uh, 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 speed, the exact direction, the exact everything with who you're yoked up with. And so be ye not unequally yoked together with unbelievers. Unequal is saved and unsaved. That's what that means. Um, so whether that's a business partnership, definitely marriage, uh, however you apply that, don't be yoked together with unbelievers. For what fellowship hath righteousness with unrighteousness? None. And what communion hath light with darkness? None. Light and darkness cannot mingle. Verse 15, and what concord or agreement hath Christ with Belial or Satan? Or what part hath he that believeth with an infidel? Infidel just means a non-believer, an unsaved person. And what agreement hath the temple of God with idols? Now here's a good place to underline. For ye are the temple of the living God. Wow. Ye are the temple of the living God. What's the temple? That's where Christ abides. Remember the Old Testament, the temple is where the glory of God came down, represented by the Ark of the Covenant, represented by the mercy seat, going once a year, that's where God met with man. Ye are the temple of the living God. So that's why I'm saying the point, what separation means for the Christian. Because today, it's different from the Old Testament. In the Old Testament, when you read like in the book of Judges and different times or in the prophets, the Holy Spirit would come on somebody and they would... Uh, uh, give a, a word from God or they would do something mighty like Samson. There's a good example. He, the spirit would come upon him at the, at the end of his life and he pushed the pillars down and the whole thing came upon the Philistines. Well, the spirit came on and then he left. Now, when you get saved, you know what happens? The spirit of God moves in. He, he brings his suitcases. He, he comes in permanently and he is going nowhere. He cannot leave you. You are sealed by the spirit. He's the earnest of our inheritance. One day we'll see him face to face. In the meantime, he's the guarantee. He's how we know we're saved. The Holy Spirit is going nowhere. And that's why you and I have to be separated because we're the temple of the living God. Uh, verse 16, we'll keep reading. As God has said, I will dwell in them and walk in them and I will be their God and they shall be my people. Wherefore, wherefore means for that reason. Because of that, because Christ abides in you. Remember a couple Sundays ago, Christ liveth in me. Because the Holy Spirit, because Jesus Christ, one of the same, lives in you, you need to be separate. Wherefore, come out from among them, verse 17, a good one to memorize, and be ye separate, saith the Lord, and touch not the unclean thing, and I'll receive you, and will be a father unto you, and ye shall be my sons and daughters, saith the Lord Almighty. 
having therefore, this verse goes right along with it, having therefore, verse 1 of chapter 7, uh, these promises, dearly beloved, let us cleanse ourselves from all filthiness of the flesh and spirit, perfecting holiness in the fear of God. Perfecting is completing. That means we're striving to be like Jesus because he lives inside of us. So because Christ lives in us, we need to be separate. So this kind of thing, it's my life, it's my body, these are my choices, that is, that is antithetical to what a child of God should be thinking. Because it's not. This is not my body. This is the Lord's body. This is not my life. This is the Lord's life. This is where the Lord is living. The Holy Spirit is living in me. Jesus lives in me. So I really shouldn't be making choices for myself. I should be seeking to do what the Lord wants me to do. And I can do that by separating from worldliness, which I'm commanded to do, and separating myself unto God. You think about this. Everywhere you go, and there's lots of verses here. 1 Corinthians 3, 16. Know ye not that you're the temple of God and the Spirit of God dwelleth in you. 1 Corinthians 6, 19. What? Know ye not, I love that verse, what? Exclamation mark. Know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost, which is in you, which ye have of God, and ye are not your own? Ephesians 2, 2. In whom ye also are built together for an habitation of God through the Spirit. So understand this. As a Christian, everywhere you go, you are bringing Jesus with you. Everything you watch, you're making the Holy Spirit watch with you. That's true. Everything you listen to, everything you talk about, everything you laugh at, everything, everything you do with your body, to your body, that is the Lord's temple. So that is a doctrine of separation right there. Why do I separate myself from some things that I can't quite put my finger on from the Bible that that, this verse, this thing is wrong? Because there's just the big, broad principle of separation. I want to be effective for the Lord. I want to be pleasing to Christ. I want to separate myself because my body, my body, not, not just some spiritual unseen thing, although it is, it's a spiritual thing, but my body, this flesh and blood, is the temple of the Holy Ghost. That's, that's big time. Do you understand? So that's, so that's why, okay, I'm delighting, I'm desiring to please the Lord. I'm desiring to grow in the Lord. I'm desiring to grow in wisdom. So I'm going to separate myself and seek an intermeddle with, with all wisdom. All right, so we are the temple of God. Uh, let's see, next one. Let us see. God calls the separated for greater service. And I noticed this in my study on separation. Acts 13, 2. You don't have to turn there. I put this verse in your Bible. You can read it later. As they ministered to the Lord and fasted, the Holy Ghost said, separate me Barnabas and Saul for the work whereunto I have called them. That's Saul that later be uh, changed to Paul. They're in the church at Antioch which was a great church, a soul-winning, missions-minded church. They were always sending out people to different cities to preach and everything. It was a, it was a hotbed of growth. It was a great church. But they were uh, serving God in the church. They were serving the Lord personally or fasting. So see, they ministered to the Lord and fasted. And then the Holy Ghost said, separate me, Barnabas and Saul, for the work unto I've called them. He sent them away as missionaries. And so, you know, what does God have for my life? What does God want me to do next? Well, the way you find that out is separating yourself first of all, and then God will separate you to greater service. I love Matthew 5, 8. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. You, you have teen camp, and this is, a, this is a great example. I've been to teen camp as a teenager many summers, uh, gone in, in between college, visiting uh, teen camps. Uh, Kara and I have taken teens to camp uh, here and then before here many times, and it is amazing. It is amazing. When you get a teenager separated from their phone, <laughs> separated from their friends, uh, separated, you know, their, their maybe un, uh, ungodly, good, like not great influence friends, whatever else they have going on, their music, whatever, stuff that they watch, you just separate them from all of that. 
and they just are outside. They're listening to preaching. They have their Bible time every day. They have to get alone with God. They might have a devotional they go through, but they're reading their Bible. They're praying. Then they hear two sermons a day, a short one in the morning and a longer one at night and in good Christian music and all that, good Christian friends. Uh, it is amazing that that first day, Monday, a little bit of withdrawals, like an addict, you know, they don't have their stuff. And then, and then Tuesday, they start to get into it. Wednesday, they're all broken up. It's, it's textbook. It is the same every time with every group of teenagers. Um, by Wednesday and Thursday, a bunch of them have gotten saved uh, out of, if it's a big group, you know, one or two, maybe different churches. And then by Friday, by Friday, there are people surrendering to the ministry. There are people uh, surrendering their bad habits, their addictions. They're surrendering whatever it is, their lives to the Lord. Now, what is that? Is it a special, unbelievable preacher? And there's good preachers, but what is it? When you separate from sin, when you separate from the world, God's voice is so much clearer. That's what it is. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Paul and Barnabas, or Saul, not yet called Paul, but Paul and Barnabas, they were serving the Lord in the church. They were busy about the Father's business. They were being faithful. They were fasting. They were walking with God. They were trying to please God. They were seeking God's face. And then God said, yes, those two right there. Hey, guys, I want you. The Holy Spirit said, separate me, Paul and Barnabas, for the work where I've called them. I'm going to send you off to the mission field. Why don't you ever see somebody, some, some uh, young person who never goes to church, why don't they ever get called to the mission field? Because they're not listening. They can't hear it. They've got to be separated unto the Lord first before they can ever hear something like that. You see? So if you're seeking God's will for your life in any area, decision and, and God's will doesn't stop, you know, after you turn 25, choosing a career. If you're seeking God's will, separate yourself unto the Lord and then God will direct you from there. That's very important. I hope that'll help you. Um, finally, number four, our example of separation is Jesus. So you might be thinking, okay, what do I do? Am I a hermit? Do I become a, a monk in a monastery? And that's not good. But, but, you know, do I just not get around anything and anybody? And that's not true. Jesus Christ, as with everything, is our example in separation. Hebrews 7.26 says, For such an high priest became us who is holy, harmless, undefiled, separate from sinners, and made higher than the heavens. Now, we know Jesus was sinless. But did Jesus hang out with sinners? Oh yeah, <laughs> he did big time. He really made the Pharisees and all those hypocrites and scribes, he made them upset. Uh, Luke 7, 39, just one example, but, but you remember just reading the, the gospels, but Luke 7, 39. Now when the Pharisee which had bidden him saw it, he spake within himself saying, this man, if he were a prophet, would have known who and what manner of woman this is that toucheth him, for she is a sinner. That's where she was washing Jesus' feet. Like, she is a sinner. How dare he let her do anything for him? She is a sinner. Remember, the criticism was this man eateth with publicans and sinners. He's going to their house. He's going to, he went to Zacchaeus's house. What is wrong with this guy? Here's the big difference. He did not partake in any sin. He was not complicit in any sin. He wasn't with the sinners as they were sinning. But you have got to talk to sinners if you're going to get them the gospel, which is our primary job. You see, so there, there's, a, there's a big difference. It doesn't mean that you don't, you don't talk to the people that aren't good influences, but there is a huge difference between that and being separate in your life. You're separate under the gospel. By the way, when you separate unto the Lord, unto the gospel, away from sin, you will be a far greater witness than you ever thought possible before because you'll have the Lord's heart for people and the Lord died for people. Uh, one more place, 1 Corinthians 9, if you would, please. We'll be done. 1 Corinthians 9. Uh, verse number um, 19. First Corinthians nine nineteen, And I'll start reading. For though I be free from all men, yet have I made myself servant unto all that I might gain the more. By the way, the two places I had you turn were in Corinthians. It's because Corinth was a, 
was not a great church, and they were pretty sinful, and so he had to write to them a lot about separation and other things like that. Verse 20, And unto the Jews I became as a Jew, that I might gain the Jews. To them that are under the law is under the law, that I might gain them that are under the law. He's talking about finding commonality with somebody to get, get them the gospel. To them that are without law as without law, being not without law to God, but under the law to Christ. I'm about a Gentile, that I might gain them that are without law. To the weak became I as weak, that I might gain the weak. I am made all things to all men, that I might by all means save some. Here's just an example of that, just to illuminate. If somebody ever asks me where I'm from, I'll say, where are you from? Because I can usually find some commonality, you know, went to school in California, was born in Indiana, kind of grew up in Tennessee, but lived in New York for a while, was in Charleston, you know, so where are you from? And oh, yeah, I was also, you know, um, but that's what it means. I made all things to all men because he's just trying to get him the gospel. Verse 23, this I do for the gospel's sake, that I might be partaker thereof with you. Know ye not, now here, here's separation. Here's why I just turned there. Know ye not that they which run in a race run all, but one receiveth the prize? So run that ye may obtain. And every man that striveth for the mastery is temperate in all things. So if you want to win the race like Usain Bolt, you're going to be temperate in all things. That means moderate. You're not going to go overboard with some things because you're trying to stay in shape. That's what he's talking about here, athleticism. Now they do it to obtain a corruptible crown, just like a medal, just a, a wreath that would go on your head. Not a big deal. But we, an incorruptible, we're looking forward to heaven when we see the Lord and get an incorruptible crown, a rewards for running spiritual race. Verse 26, I therefore so run, not as uncertainly, so fight I, not as one that beateth the air, not like a boxer, but I'm fighting spiritually. Verse 27, here's how he's fighting. I keep my, under my body and bring it into subjection, lest that by any means when I have preached to others, I myself should be a castaway. That right there is separation. I am separated unto the gospel, and because I want to be effective and finish my race strong up to the last day of my life, I'm going to be temperate in all things. I'm going to keep my body under subjection. I'm not going to let it run off in sin. I'm going to have a great testimony in the community. Everybody I see, my family, Paul didn't have kids, but, but if, for us, our kids, they're going to see a consistent person that walks with God. They are my, my grandkids, my nephews, my nieces, my neighbors, my coworkers. They are going to see somebody who is separated unto the gospel. Not a jerk, not a Pharisee, not looking down on anybody. Well, I don't do that. You know, not necessarily, but, but when, when you separate unto the Lord, you're going to have a sweet spirit. You are, you're not, you're not going to be like the Pharisees. Uh, and you're, you will be willing to eat with publicans and sinners, whatever, in order to get them the gospel. But you yourself will be separate from, from sin. Proverbs 18.1, let's look at it one more time. It's at the beginning of your notes if you need it. Let's read it out loud. Ready? Let's stand, actually. Let's stand and read it out loud. You listened great tonight. See, Ed, about on time. Doesn't matter how long the notes are. I've got it budgeted out here at the time. Proverbs 18.1. Ready? Begin. Through desire, a man, having separated himself, seeketh and intermeddleth with all wisdom. Lord, thank you for the word of God. I pray that you'd help us tonight to be separated in our lifestyle, separate from worldliness, separate from sin, separate from anything that would keep us from being a good witness, keep us from hearing the voice of God, keep us from listening to the Holy Spirit in our heart as you would urge us to do this or that. And all of us, Lord, every single one of us need help in this area. I need help in this area. Everybody needs help in this area of consistently in this wicked, sinful world, deciding, desiring to separate ourselves from that which is unpleasing to you and separating ourselves unto the gospel and unto you. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.